Well, hello there and welcome to my corner of the digital universe. Prepare to dive deep, get real, get close, and find out entirely too much about people you likely don't even know. I am Jeremy Griffin and these are my conversations. So grab a coffee and get comfortable, because here we go. You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. And I want to thank you for listening to the Stream Grace Network. We are back for another episode of Conversations, and uh, I am excited about my guest today. I have known this young man for 20-ish years. Long time. Long time. Uh, everyone, please welcome to the show. I'm going to pl- believe you're all clapping. Welcome to the show, Cole Matthews. Welcome to be here. <laughs> Cole, how are you, man? You're great, great. So your wife is on a podcast on our network. Yes. Better Together with Lori and Stephanie. She's the Stephanie side of that podcast. It's an amazing podcast. It is a good podcast. I got podcast. to be on it. Yeah, you did. That Well, that was the whole thing, man. Like, you came in, and I hadn't seen you. Like, we hadn't had a chance to sit down and talk in, for ages. It's been about a year. Yeah, because we've seen each other. Mm-hmm. You know, we were we, working together on some things for your church. Exactly. We were, yeah. back, we were going to lunch, having a good time. And then then I bailed. No, no. It, <laughs> then COVID happened COVID. and it made us all stay home. So That was a mess. That was, yeah. For is everybody. a mess. I don't know if it was or is or is to come, but it, it's. <laughs> it was, the, you know, I look at COVID as it was a great way of finding myself. It was a hard year. It was hard on our family. It was not easy at all, mm. but it was a year of growth. It really made me dive back into getting up early, getting into the Bible, getting, I mean, really getting into scripture because I needed to find joy. I lost some joy there mm. and it, I've been really getting it. And it's a marathon. Everything's a marathon. Nothing happens quickly, but I'm really coming back to finding a lot of joy. Not, it's not in, it's not in the wins. It's in the process. Yeah. You know, I always looked at the outcome. What's going to be the outcome? Now it's not that. It's about the process. Enjoy those moments. That's good, man. I'm I'm getting back there. So that's a good place to be. Yeah, yeah. It's so optimistic. (laughs) That's me. And for a while there, I was. was, The kids would say, "Dad, are you grumpy today? Are you happy?" So (laughs) I'm. I'm more happy now. That's that's awesome. Yeah, it's really good. I don't know if I told you this, but my timing with COVID was crazy because I went in uh, end of January, went on sabbatical that year, 2020. And then I came back to work one day and then the shutdown happened. Mm. <laughs> so I basically started the lockout early January or, or mid January. Well, we were going to lunch right before you were going to do right. that. And yeah. we were in, getting kind of back in the groove, you, me, you and Gavin. It was great. And then you kind of went on your sabbatical, <laughs> your walk. And, right. And now, now you found yourself. Which ultimately, uh, the String Grace Network was born. So there's that. Yeah. I mean, it's weird. But sabbaticals um, are good. Sabbaticals are good. Man, I could do a whole show on that. Let me just tell you, we were designed to work from rest. And that sounds like a paradox, but it's absolute reality. I find in my life the biggest impact I've ever made is out of not trying to make an impact. And if there's anything I could ever share with people who are younger, especially because I feel like they constantly are wanting to make an impact is to stop trying. And Mm -hmm. that's, man, that's true of everything. My mom used to tell me, you want to find, you know, a wife, stop trying. Right. I mean, even that was when I was dating girl, like dating when I was a kid, teenager. Isn't that the case? That's how I found Stephanie. Exactly. I was, I was in a moment in my life that I was done. I was not looking anymore. I was done. And then she fell into my lap. And that's when God's like, finally. Yes. Right. Just let me do my work. Yes. And he teaches this at every step of the way. And I think it's just, it's funny to me because no matter how many times I've learned that lesson, I have to remind myself 
No, no, stop trying. Just sit back in it. And that's really walking in faith, really. Because there are times, especially when you feel like you're wanting to need a meet, need a meet, meet a need, um, that you want to try, right? Because part of us too, we feel just lazy. Right, right. Ugh. No, it's, it's you know, it's, it's been my life. It's been when I truly let, when I'm, when I got into East Point and really started getting in there and finding the word and really relying on God at that finding my father that I could lean on. That's when things took off. That's when, when I was promoted in Cox, that's when I, you know, went on trips. I mean, it was just, and it wasn't that my work ethic was always there, Yeah. but he just, I just knew that he had a control at that moment. And then when I thought I could take the wheel back Mm -hmm. and thought, you know what, God, I got it from here. That's when things kind of went sideways for a minute and never, he never let me down. He never quit. You know, we always were fine, but the successes weren't as easy yeah. because I was trying to make them happen. I thought, I forgot to say, thank you, God. It's all you, you know, and it, and, and it was never me and it was always him. Yeah. And so I want to talk about sales for a minute. Mm-hmm. I know that's a weird thing for me just to say on a podcast like this, but the reason I say that, um, there are a few guys that I've met in my life and let me rephrase that. There are a few salesmen that I've known in my life. I've known a lot of salesmen, but there's very few that I feel like truly have my best interest at heart when they're selling something. Mm-hmm. And I think one key to that is you have to kind of believe in what you're selling. Mm-hmm. You have to really do believe in it. But I want you to talk a little bit about that because you, you work for Cox communications mm-hmm. disclaimer. You don't necessarily represent the ideas and thoughts of that company, no. <laughs> but, um, but you know, it's an internet service provider among other things, right? They provide internet service and there's always competitors. And, and just like with cell phones, you know, at one time or another, somebody's always better than somebody else because when you upgrade your tech, somebody else is upgrading behind you. Exactly. And so how do you process working in that industry? And when, when, and I'm not saying, I don't even know if you currently sell internet as a part of what you do today, but in that overall vibe, how, how do you get in that mode and, are able to really help customers and find that space and still be, cause you, cause you always come with integrity. You're always open and honest. And I love that about you. Um, it started back when I started, when I was, when I started with Cox, I was going door to door and it was when you went into a neighborhood to knock on doors, it, you had to look the part, you had to look dressed correctly. Don't be, you know, go in clean cut, make sure, you know, because when you're getting in somebody's door, you, they got to trust you. And so it built from there because I knew I didn't want somebody walking in my wife's door mm-hmm. if, if they weren't trustworthy or whatever. So I, when I knocked on the door, I would I always built that trust in the beginning and made them understand who I was, what I was doing. And, and it, it was in the best interest of them if I could help them. It's this transition through everything I've done at Cox. It's always been the customer's best interest. It's not about me. It's about the process. I said that earlier. Yeah. The process is understanding what they need. Sometimes it's not even a, a internet. It's not phone. It's not video. What it is, they need somebody to talk to. Mm. And a lot of my cut, my biggest accomplishments, sales, whatever you want to call them, have happened because I built that trust and loyalty through my customers and who people I've become friends with over time, that they know I'm going to take care of them regardless of, of the situation. It may not benefit Cox at any time. It may not benefit. We may have to give a credit. We may have to take care of that customer. But in the long run we built a long-term customer at that point. And it's because I've always said, 
in the end of the day, you always do the right thing. Right. It doesn't matter. You know, just do the, if you always are doing, trying to do the right things, great things will happen, but you never regret your day. It's never, there's never any regret in it. Yeah. So always do the right thing. There's no right way to do the wrong things. And that's what kind of teach our kids and everybody else. It's just always walk with integrity and character. Don't worry about the big sales. Don't, they'll come. God will take care of all that. Just understand the needs of that customer. If it's just, they just need a vent for that day. If they need to, if they need something, whatever it is, I always hit the mic. That's all right. I got here. Look, Stephanie got, (laughs) I I hit that and I thought Stephanie's going to yell at me. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But um, no, but it's just on a realism. It's, it's just make sure you're always doing the right thing. Yeah. That's it. That's all. I've never been the smart, I'm hungry, humble, and smart. I've never been the smartest guy in the room. I'm okay with that, but I can always be humble and I always can be hungry. And if those two things are working, I can put the right people in the room, the smart people in the room to figure out your technical mm. needs. I can hear what you need. I'll put those people in the room. We'll figure it out we'll, and we'll solve that issue for me. So we have a solution for that. Yeah. So it's that, or it's just a good listener. And I right. can always be that as well. And man, I think that's so key. I mean, I, I won't name this person right now because it's going to sound bad, but I pay higher rates on my insurance than I need to, mm-hmm. but I do so because I have confidence and trust in my agent. And I've known him for a long time. And I know that no matter what happens, the thing you can't, uh, that they don't sell when you buy a product is the reliability of that Mm follow-up. That's not something you can make sure and add Mm -hmm. (laughs) to the line item. So that what you're saying is so crucial. And I mean, that's what I, it's funny when I worked at uh, iHeartRadio, I was in programming, but the sales guys would take me with them a lot to talk about the digital products that we offered because they frankly didn't know how to even explain them. And so it's funny because I would always sell really endorsements. That was the thing I would sell, which is not a digital product (laughs) (laughs) because they would start telling me, they would take me to sometimes I would go to a customer who didn't have a website and they want to try to sell them a digital ad when they don't have a website or any kind of web presence. And so my first question is, all right, so where do you want that click to go? Because right. <laughs> you can show the image, but people are, if they're interested, they're going to click it. And when they click it, it's going to go somewhere. Do you want us to put it on your competitor's website? Where do you <laughs> want exactly. it to go? You get a landing page? What do you have? Exactly. And so I would say, honestly, dollar for dollar and endorsements, the best thing you could do because this, it doesn't matter if you have that. And for one, and, and two, these, these personalities on air, Man, if I want to find a good plumber, I'm going to call somebody. But if I already have somebody I trust, whether they're on air, on a podcast or whatever, and I've heard them talk about this same plumber, that's what I'm going to call first. Right. 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 And so it's really, to me, has always been the best investment in terms of, you know, this space. I mean, there's all sorts of different advertising. But um, anyway, it's just funny because I would, I remember saying I am, uh, I would say, man, I'm not a salesman, but this, that, and the other. And I'd gone on a call with this guy a couple times and we got in the car and he said, Hey, you are a salesman. (laughs) And I said, no, I'm not. And he said, no, you are. And I said, no, I just really believe in this. And he said, exactly. That's all it is. And that really was the deal. That's all it is. And it's like, you're funny. You said, well, I'm, we're not endorsing Cox. Well, there's a lot of things that Cox is about, but one thing they've always taken care of me, I mean, through everything. And even when, times got hard or things happened, jobs shifted and whatever else doing the right thing has always got me back in the door with them. Always 
you know, they always, somebody would find me and say, Hey, we need you in this position now. Let's go here. So if the door closed at this position, somebody would open a door over here and it was God opening that door for me because it's mm -hmm. always doing the right thing. And anybody that wants to be in sales, whatever else, don't look at you. You've got mentors out there and you've got people that you can go to look for the guys that everybody always says, man, he's a great guy. He is somebody I can trust. Don't go for the guy. Some of the guys that are winning over here and, and making or going on trips and everything else, not are always the greatest guys, and they're not always doing it ethically, and they're not doing it the right way. Find the guys that have been there a long time, that are steady, mm -hmm. that people know they're loyal. Follow those guys, and you will become a great salesperson because yeah. it's really simple. My best engineer that I take with me all the time, he's better at sales than I am. Hmm. I just ask the right questions. I sit back. He answers all the questions and you know and everything else. The difference in the sales and an engineer is I will ask for the deal at the end of the day. Right. He doesn't do that. And he feels uncomfortable doing that part of it. Well, if it's the right solution for you, it's easy to ask for the deal at the end of the day. Right. Because I know it's the best for you at that moment. Well, and you're even getting convinced because you're listening to the engineer talk. And you're exactly. like, this is going to be perfect for you guys. I'm telling you, you put those smart people in the room with you and you become <laughs> smart too. It's, yeah. it, it makes your life a lot easier. Yeah, for yeah. sure, man. Yeah. So. That's the weird part is that I find myself often in the position where I'm expected to be the smartest person. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, uh... No, let me make a call. <laughs> exactly. I'm well, not, everyone's always, it's, well, this is funny because I've said this forever. Um, like I've been in sound for 25 years and I've had people call me an expert and I'm like, no, I'm not. And I say I'm not because man, I know so many other guys that are smarter than me and I call them, right. which is great. Because the people who are hiring me to do sound stuff are getting the years of experience that I have plus those guys. Right. Because <laughs> I do. I just like, hey, I'm having this problem. What do I do? And they're like, oh, yeah, this, this, and this. So, yeah, it's... Being humble. I'm My wife is amazing in sales and real estate and everything else. And she's she gets things done. She yeah. is amazing. I mean, if you're looking for a realtor, she will get it done for you. She will do... She works both sides of the deal so much because the other realtor just doesn't... I don't know, have what Stephanie has, but she'll get things done. It's just because she wants to make sure that customer is taken care of. Mm -hmm. And she goes beyond, above and beyond for the, those customers in that because she cares so much for her people. And it, it really, it and she loves the process too, but she is a go-getter, gets it done, task-oriented, and she makes sure that it's in the most, selling your home or buying a home is never easy, but she... Yeah makes it where she's prayed with customers she hmm. really gets you know where they really can trust her and, and and she's very loyal as well but in sales she's probably better than i am at it hmm. you know i'm great at relationship building great at with people networking she she's really good in the sales as well and it's just a, i think it's iron sharpens iron and all yeah. else, so that's really cool yeah i'm gonna switch gears because this is something i've wanted to talk to you about for a long time oh god <laughs> it's really not painful at all <laughs> um no okay so I used to see you on the regular all the time running, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. How long have you been running in that kind of capacity? I started running when I was going through my divorce. Okay. Um, I was at a point in my life I wasn't I wasn't happy with myself. I was the first person in my family to get a divorce, um, and it wasn't what I wanted. It wasn't. I mean, did you hang the certificate up on the wall since you were the first? Uh, no, I did not. <laughs> it is put away. You know, me and my, my ex-wife were just, we were young and yeah. trying to raise kids when we were young. We didn't know how to do it right at that moment. We knew we loved our children. We knew, but we uh, just were 
you know, knowing now what I know, we got married for the wrong reasons. Mm. And they were the right reasons because we wanted to have a family, wanted to give our son a, a good life. But we didn't know what love was at that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so going through all that was painful. And I just was kind of like Forrest Gump. I just started running one day wow. and, I, and I enjoyed it. Because in high school, I hated running and everything else. And I'd, so I'd run and and it really got me through some moments. It got me, um, it, I started to enjoy exercise at that moment. Uh, I lost... I was probably weighing about 180 and I got down to about 155 wow. and, and started running and then just kept doing it. And I love it. It's, it's therapy. I can run, pray, think mm-hmm. all together in that time. And, it, and it's really therapy for me. And I, so yeah, that's it. It's funny. Cause I, what made me think of it earlier, you said something about, you just use marathon as an analogy. And I'm like, yes, I want to know. Have you ran marathons? I've ran four marathons. You yes. have? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I won't run anymore. I do half. I've ran about 10 half marathons, okay. but, but ran four marathons. It's, it's, it's the most exhilarating. Every time you finish, it's like amazing uh, mm-hmm. when you're running down Broadway and, and getting to the end. I've done only done the Memorial, um, but it, it's an amazing experience, like climbing to a mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you know, that, I've done that. So even when you do the half marathons, it, it's, it's exhilarating. It's fun. And, Things like that. You just know you're. I'm 50 now, and I just don't. Or 49, almost 50. But <laughs> I don't. I don't want to run the marathons anymore. I've done that. So, so man. Okay. So, so I'm gonna argue with you. You ready for this? Because yeah. running sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Most people don't like to run. I do. Here's here's the deal. I I am willing to give anything a fair shot. Mm-hmm. And and running is one of those things. Like okay, so I play paintball. Everybody knows this. Um, you can go play paintball once and you don't have to like work it whether you like it or not. Right. You're going to know, yeah. right? But running, you can't just get off the couch one day and go running and be like, man, I love running. Except for some, there are circumstances like what you're talking about. Right. So I thought, okay, here's what I have to do. I've got to get in reasonable shape. I'm going to run consistently for a period of time. And I kind of set a goal. Right. And my goal was in this neighborhood that I live in is to run the what I had been walking, which came to 1.6 miles. And you know the neighborhood enough to know there's hills and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, I want to be able to run this without stopping at any point. Right. And then I'm going to kind of stop and evaluate. <laughs> well, the, the, you know, I've already said what I think about it. Right. <laughs> but I did. I worked really hard at it. And what I ended up doing is, you know, I figured out pace. Um, and I found that magic pace. I actually was planning on running the Memorial Marathon um, cause I, some girl talked me into it that I worked with. She's like, Oh, you'll love running. I'm like, I just don't think that's going to happen, but I'll try. Right. <laughs> and so, um, but yeah, so I'm running around in the neighborhood and, and my first thing was like, every time I get to the, the half street, I'd walk that part and then, you know, run up the long parts. And then eventually I did one is two laps. Right. So I did one lap and then I'd walk the second lap or whatever. So I just eventually got there. And uh, when I figured out my pace, I needed to do like a 12 and a half minute mile to be able to sustain it. Right. And uh, I was my first couple attempts, man, I, I pulled off the mile and I was like at a 10 five or something. And, and it's not bad. Well, I mean, I couldn't, I nearly died each time, <laughs> so, but yeah, so I finally found that place. And so when I got to that point, I was like, okay, Running sucks. I don't like this, <laughs> but, but I think part of it for me is you, you know, what you describe is very serene, yeah. <laughs> you know, I can pray. I think three things work stuff out. 
I, that was not me. I was so locked in on the particulars, right. you know, the pace of it all. And, and as you know, is my heart rate too high and you're just watching, okay, how far away am I from this goal or whatever? But the irony is I can do the elliptical for hours on end mm-hmm. and I get exactly what you are talking about, which is funny to me because they're so similar. Is that weird? I cannot run in place. I hate it. I cannot do it. We go, we travel. I go outside and run everywhere we go. I've, I've ran it's just because wow. I can, I just don't like running in place. It's, do you it, like seeing the other stuff? I love seeing it. Like, it's like I'm touring the city and I'm running and yeah. it's, it's, it's wonderful. I, I had knee surgery back in December. Mm. And so I ran for the first time oh, about a month ago and, and I still could go three miles without, it was like, wow, I still have it in my mind. And so I know I could probably do six without even thinking because it's, I've done it. I've done it so many times that I can do it. Wow. So running a half marathon, I don't have to train. I can just go and run it. I know I can do it. And you don't run the whole time. Believe me, it's even mm. when you run the marathon, you're, you've learned how to pace yourself where you're, you're walking through water stops or you're, you're walking a half mile here and there just because when I fir- ran my first one, I thought you had to keep running and mm. I, that was the most, it was terrible. But now I know watching everybody do it it's not about that it's just finishing yeah at your own pace you're not going to be the winner let them do it in an hour (laughs) it takes me four hours to run a marathon it always did that's what i run mine in it takes me two hours to run a half marathon yeah so i know so you just know now you can do it you've done it so many times you just get it done and it's kind of like life it's where i'm at now i know god's always taking care of me in cells it's gonna happen you know it took me a marathon to learn Cox business. It's, I've only been in, I've been there a year, about a year and six months. I'm seeing the fruit happen now. It's, it just took a minute. Mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, I don't like being in last, but I quit kind of looking in the left and right of me. Cause I know in the end I'm winning because God's got me there. Right. So it's, that's it, good. You know, so it's, that's how running is to me now. It's just, I know I can do it. Yeah. Even if I had to run a marathon to save one of my kids life, I could do it. Yeah. You know, so it did get done. I, I I know I haven't told you this because we hadn't got a chance to talk, but when Noah was getting ready to go into the Air Force, um, he, you know, he's like six foot, almost six foot four. Wow. But they measured him at six foot two. And so that changed his weight requirement. And so he was lanky, but he had to drop like 18 pounds. And I'm thinking, what? And so he had done nothing to prepare for that part. Right. And so... I had been working out, losing weight, and and I was in. That was the time when I was running, and I had only run in the neighborhood. So I wanted. I was curious about what my mile time would really be on a flat surface, you know. Mm-hmm. So I went up to the high school, and I said to him, "I was like, hey, you want to come with me and and see what you're doing on your mile?" And he's like, "Yeah." <laughs> no, he wasn't like, "Yeah." <laughs> he was like, "I mean, I guess." Hey. So we get up there, and he hadn't run at all, and he's like a size fourteen shoe too, like oh, so. Wow. I just imagine in my mind that's harder to run in. I don't, right, right. <laughs> you know. And so uh, I said, well, I'll tell you what. I said, look, I'm trying to hit a, a time. And I was trying to get under nine minutes. That was my hope. And so I, I said, I'm going to be going at a pretty quick pace. And you haven't been doing any running. So, like, don't feel like you got to keep up with me. <laughs> so we get out there, dude. He stayed with me lockstep all the way around that track. And I ran 8.58. And so I was feeling great being yeah, able to hit that 858. That's a, that's a good, that's a good pace. Well, it was, I would never be able to sustain it, but I, <laughs> I did 858. And, uh, when we got done, he, uh, you know, I crashed on the ground. I'm just laying there sucking air and he's just, he's sucking air, but not as bad as me. And I'm like, what is going on? 
Well, what was really cool about it, he when he goes into boot camp and goes through his process there, when we went to see him at graduation, um, he said, and I, I get emotional when I think about this because I had no idea what was happening, but he said, uh, every time I was having trouble at boot camp, I just kept thinking of running with you. Awesome. Oh, man. That, <laughs> it melted me because, me. well, and the big thing was, <laughs> it was funny because he said, I just kept thinking of you calling me all sorts of names if I wouldn't keep <laughs> up. <laughs> and he was going to prove me wrong. But right. he said it just drove him through boot camp. And, right. um, and you know, it's moments like that. You're like, that's not at all. Where, and this goes back to what I said earlier about making impact. Mm-hmm. At no point in my life did I think I'm going to go run around a high school track with my middle son and that moment is going to help him get through boot camp. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just about doing it with him. It's like Tanner right. when they, he, they had to come home for COVID. Right. Yeah. And so he started, me and him started running together. And when Tanner came home from boot camp, Oh, not boot camp, but his highway patrol Academy, he asked me to work out with him. So I'd get up early, work out with him, do all the stuff and keep up with him, try to keep But he started, I mean, he, his miles, his long stride. Yeah. I mean, I used to, I used to blow him out of the water. And now, I mean, he, he would, he was what, a mile ahead of me. I oh, mean, wow. it, it was just amazing. Wow. Well, he's like six twelve, right? He, <laughs> he, he's, I always say he's six six with shoes on, but he's six five. Yeah. But, but his the work he put in and everything he did, and just watching him just progress and. We did sprint against each other one time, and I beat him. So yeah. I still can, I can, I can still sprint. You still got what it I, I takes. I still got right? what it takes on that, if, you know. But I was so proud of his work he put into that, and just why I was so proud of it. You know, I was like, Dad you used to kill me in this. Now I'm, I'm like, dude, you're you're Isn't that awesome. It though? is awesome to see them go on and work hard and accomplish. I mean, all of them, Ty, yeah, Tori, you know, Tanner, Elijah, Jay. They they've all they're all working. They all had the same work ethic. Every single one of them, at the different phases in life, or have worked hard to get to where they're at. And it, and it, and, and just it's fun to watch that happen, you know, yeah. because we have no control over it. We're there to put boundaries up. <laughs> right. We're there to help them understand. But it's like, because Ty, when he was getting into college and he quit football and everything else, I would didn't know where he was going to go, but. I did know that he had it in him and it, it is true about it. If you pray over those kids and mm-hmm. they always figure it out, you know, and they, all of them have figured it out to be, I couldn't be more proud of Ty and, and Tori and Tanner and, and Elijah and Jay. They're, they're figuring it out. And yeah. it's, it's the same way we figure out parenting, right? Right. <laughs> Cause I, at 50, I should be at 49. I shouldn't have this down by now. And no, no, it's, it's, you it's, can't No, it's, you know, I figured this when I was, before I had kids, I remember telling my grandpa, I, I was, I was probably 20. No. Yeah. Around there. And there were some of my cousin's kids misbehaving or something. And I just said, man, I'm, my kids aren't going to do that. And he said something to me, you know, kind of put me in my place, but in a grandpa kind of way. Right. But I remember thinking it's all about the parent. That was my thought. I'm not going to let my kids do this or that. Well, then I had Gabe and Noah less than a year apart, just shy of that, right? So I'm raising these two boys, and they couldn't be more different. And they are in the exact same household, exact same rules. Everything's the same. And so I I went from believing that kids were a product of their parents by like a 95 to 5 split, 95% what their parents do to 5% of who they are, to the total opposite. The parents account for about 5% of what that kid's going to become. And I think this is important um, for the kids to realize this. Right. Because not 
not for any other reason except they, you know, when I think of Gabe and Noah and Tanner, that whole group we were talking mm-hmm. about earlier, the parents did, we did our best job, right? We did what we knew to do, but they are who they are because of who they are. Right. Because of their choices, because of their character. And that's why you and I can sit here and be proud of those kids because of their decisions that really don't have anything to do with us. It's really about what you talked about, taking him to the track and running with him, walking with him. It's not about what you say to them, it's what you do with them. Mm-hmm. And and they see that. They see that. You know, Gabe, Gabe loves, you know, he loves music. Well, was it because you made him play music? Or because, By no means. Because, <laughs> because he just saw his dad be great at it and he thought he fell in love with it. No, he, he, loved, he loves gaming and all that stuff. So what did he find? But... You inspired him to boot camp is one of the hardest things you can go through. And so you inspired him to get through it because you went with him to the track and you showed him, I can do this. You can do this. Yeah. And so, and that's with, you know, all my children, it, it's been, you know, it, it, you watching them go, the best things I've ever done with them is what I've done with them, mm. you know, and watch them. And Tori, I'm so proud of her because she's so strong and she's so, such a great single mom out there. And, and in that she's doing it and she's going to do it in spite of you, but right. she's going to get it done. And that's what I had that in me as well. I, that's the thing that I'm going to get this done and I'm going to do it. But now I know if I let God take over, mm-hmm. it's a lot easier. Oh yeah. It's a lot easier because he instilled that in you, that fight. Mm-hmm. But he'll, if he let you let him fight that battle, your life just gets a lot easier, but it's fun watching your kids grow up and, and, and achieve success and know that you had a little bit to do with it, but you're right. They, they're their own little people. Yeah. And my percentages may be off, but as far as I'm concerned, at least with my kids, that takes a lot of pressure off me. I like your percentage. Well, I like that. I, you know, I do think it's a win-win yeah, because yeah. It, it really does take the pressure off parents. Like, listen, you can really be super crappy, but you're only going to be 5% of their life. So right. it's, it's all yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take the 5%. I'm, I feel a lot at ease right now. Well, perfect. <laughs> well, man, I want to, I want to ask you about Tanner. Uh-huh. Um, I love this kid mm-hmm. and I've spent so little time with him over the years. I mean, right. he's been, you know, friends with my kids, but, um, I've always been impressed with his character, mm-hmm. even at afar. You just see it. He exudes high character. And when I found out he was going to become a trooper, um, I would, I never knew that was on the radar, but, um, I was really proud of him just, just knowing it was the direction he was going. And so in our climate right now, mm-hmm. not, not temperature, <laughs> our socioeconomic nice and outside. cultural, I know it's beautiful. Uh, we'll have to go fire pit afterwards. Okay. Um, in, in this culture today, you know, you, I know you heard my interview with Brian or, mm-hmm. yes. um, 20 year veteran. Huh? Great, great job, by the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks. He's well, and, and Brian's just such a great dude, man. Mm-hmm. But I asked him, you know, and, and I asked Krista, his wife, these questions, but, but I want to your take, you know, how do you feel? Because the difference, like Brian is a trooper in a world that is like very racially charged, really anti-police in a way that is weird. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. never been like this mm-hmm. in this country. Um, and so, you know, for Brian, he's, He's going to retire soon. Mm-hmm. Tanner's just now, he's in his, what, first year? Mm-hmm. How does that, how, how do you feel about all of that? Tanner, it starts back when he was small and little. It was just his demeanor, his character has always been there. It's never, it's not wavered. He always knew what he stood for. 
And so when it, the older he got, it just grew more. And so always a great young man, always caring, always caring about, not really cared about what you had to say, not disrespectfully, but truly cared about the, what you were, who you were, not what, what came out of your mouth. And so it was never a battle with him growing up. He was very respectful always. He was, I mean, he questioned you, but, and, and believe me, his father, son, we had some, we had some good, good conversations, but he would just truly just had that character and integrity about him. So when he went to Christian Heritage his ninth grade year and, and went there and kind of developed some great, uh, I would say, time management skills and, and some more understanding of, of culture and, he didn't like it there. He wanted to get back to Choctaw where his friends were, so we brought him back. So his 11th grade year, he wanted to go to the Highway Patrol Academy deal for, for kid. I forget what it's called. I'm messing it up. But he went to that. And when he came back from that, he said, this is what I'm going to do. Wow. So he got focused. He knew what he had to do to get to, to be there. So when he got to college, he went to Rose State. You never ask, had to ask him how his grades were. You never had to ask him how he was just, he knew what he had to get done. He went, he, he, when he was time to apply for the highway patrol, he did everything he was supposed to do. And, and just, he knew that's what he wanted to be. He, he, he friended men that were in the highway patrol, like our neighbors, mm. um, became good friends with them. He's, he's got an old soul about him that he, he can sit down with guys my age and they listen, they talk to him like he's 50 or he can sit down with his buddies and then, you know, he's there, but he's just, he, he fits in wherever he's at because he doesn't care about what you're saying. He cares about you. Right. And then when he has when he has people around you that are mentors, he takes in that and he and he learns from them. He puts smart people around him, and then he becomes smarter. So when he when he friended these highway patrolmen and really became a friend, I mean they 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 goes and helps them at their homes. He shows up to help them, you know, move. I mean, he just does so many things because he really cares about them. Well, he heard everything they told him. He said they they do this this and this. He did all those things, and it, I mean, and so. To be on task, he got that from his mom. He took that and he just took it to another level. And he, and he knows the climate. He knows what he's in involved. And I think he's a great help to his brothers, which Delijah and Jay are, you know, um, mixed. And it's and it's hard to for especially D being twelve, hearing what he's hearing about police and everything else. But he knows his brother. He knows his brother's character and integrity. Right. So that's going to help him understand how he grows up. And so. Tanner's just Tanner. It's, yeah. He's that little boy that when I married his mom, I married him and became my son. He, and and Clint, his, his biological father and his real dad, is an amazing man himself. And, and it's just, but Tanner has had the luxury of two different men, one that's a Marine, that's amazing man, amazing uh, person. And me, that comes from a different background, but still always believed in respect, accountability, the things that we always instilled in our children. So he came, he came from the military standpoint, been a loving man. And I came from another standpoint and just built, it just helped build this young man that just is amazing. And, and God made this kid to do these great things. He's, he's a hero and he's, he's going to be the the type of highway patrolman that's going to do great things. And just because he's not, it's, he's not scared to run into the fire, right? He's not, he's not scared to make a decision. It, it, he's he's just going to make that decision. He's going to stand by it because he's always doing the right thing, mm-hmm. you know? And it, and so that's Tanner. And, yeah. and I'm so proud of him. I, it's 
I'm not proud of any of my children more than the other. They just all, I'm proud of where they're at right. right now. And I'm proud of him, what he accomplished. And the thing, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does, you yeah. know, going forward. Do you have concerns for him? I mean, do you think about the process? Like, do you ever walk through scenarios in your mind or anything like that? I grew up with a dad that was a fireman. Okay. And so I grew up with a grandfather that was a policeman. My brother was in the border patrol. Mm. Um, I don't know what I was supposed to be. But uh, <laughs> no, God knew what I was going to be. But it was just that I always knew dad was going to come home. The hardest day of my life is when I lost my father. Mm. I still think he's going to come home. And, and, and so I always know Tanner's going to come home. Oh, it's because he will. And so because he's doing the right thing. He's doing the right thing. Every day he goes to work, he's doing the right thing. I'm sorry. And no, so, man, I'm sorry. But, so no, I never worry about it. I know he's always going to come home. He's always going to, he's always going to be a hero in my eyes. And so, um, and so Tanner's amazing kid and I couldn't respect him more than I do because he's just such a, he's, he's a hero in my mind and, and just, uh, him to do what he does every day for, to protect and serve. And he's just, I mean, he could be a, just a, a banner for what an officer should be because that's who that kid is. Yeah. And so, uh, um, so Tanner is just a amazing young man that's going to do amazing things. And it's funny, East Point built a lot of his character integrity because we took him to church, but we didn't put expectations on church. God filled those expectations in. Our oldest son, Ty, his, his best friend is Taylor Burchett. Mm-hmm. I didn't ever see that happen, and it organically happened. But those two kids are good young men that birthed out of East Point, you know. And East Point did great things in my life, um, even though it's not East Point anymore and it's just church. It really wasn't East Point. Right. God met us there and took us to another level. And so um, that's why I have faith in God and, and everything else because I know he can do great things to anybody, you know, just let him do it. So I kind of got off pace there, but no, you're all right, man. Um, the, the, let's touch on that real quick. Uh, you know, the, we've got this other podcast in the network Redux church podcast that I'm doing. It used to be spiritually wounded. And, and this is one of the things we're covering right now amidst this, uh, conversation is who the church is. And I think you touched on it because for those who don't, don't know the history. East Point was a church I worked at. That's where Cole and I actually met. Right. And um, uh, it it uh, ended unceremoniously. <laughs> we'll just put it like that. Um, and so a lot of people will have an opinion. If they know the name of the church, they have an opinion one way or the other. And I think what's important is what you just laid out, that it's not, it, the building had nothing to do with anything. It was the relationships that were made. Um, Taylor Burchett, great drummer and uh guys played with me for well since he was six technically right <laughs> and so you know for me it's always about relationship and i think that's what we've been missing and that's what that podcast is discussing like how do we get the the actual church the people of the body of christ to a place where we're not about the building or the title on the door but we're about the father's business <laughs> and uh, and hearing the voice of God and obeying it and just really getting into that place. And so I think that's so key. And amidst our conversation here, you, you've brought it up a number of times because it's it's been impactful in your life. 
and those around you. And I don't think you should ever be apologetic for that. Not that you are, but I don't think you should ever be apologetic for that. You should never feel uncomfortable talking about the things, uh, a place that has helped birth so many wonderful things. That's a great thing. And putting it in the proper place and recognizing that it's the people that made that happen. Because that's really what it was. You know, it's, we were, I was talking to a friend of mine today. His name is JT Sloop. And we talk all the time. And he's a younger man. And he, I work out with him at CrossFit. And I said, if a church can get what CrossFit does, is build a co- culture of relationships. I pay money to go there every month. But we give there. We serve there. We, um, we help others there. And we never ask questions about it. We all, and it's, and great leadership, but it organic organically happens. It's not done because you have think you have to. It's like like God meets you there. I mean, that family at CrossFit, I would do anything for because mm-hmm. it's just a good, solid group of people there that I love dearly. And I would if if I think if church could get that right, just let it organically happen. You know, if you want to give just give it when you leave out the door. If you don't today, that's fine. Take it if you need it, you know? Yeah. Um, but that's what I think church misses is that if you let it organically happen, it will, it will, God will show up. He'll show right. up there. He, you know, and pastors, whatever. I think we put pastors on pedestals and, 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 you know, or, you know, you can get in, you can get involved in the back offices of church and everything else, but it is a business. You, you got to understand that as well. But, our podcast will disagree with that, but it's okay. <laughs> it, it, you know, it, 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 you know, but, but God is there. Yeah. Truly the, what it doesn't matter if you're Craig Rochelle, if you're Stephen Furtick or you disagree with Joel Osteen or whatever else, mm-hmm. God is there. Yeah. He's in that place. People are finding God there and relationships are happening. If you don't look at the business side of it, God is, is God is working miracles wherever he's at. Right. So that's where I've gotten in, in an older place in life. And, I, and I'll qualify that. A lot of people say there's a business to the church. And, and when I would argue that when there is a business to the church, that's when the problem is. And here's why. When I've press, pressed in on this question, um, and I won't, you know, you guys who are at all interested in my opinion here, check out the Redux Church podcast because we talk to other people, not just me. <laughs> but um, I'm always told it's a business because you've got money coming in, money coming out you're, you know, you're paying people to be there, so to speak, you're supporting people. And I always say, so is my family. Mm-hmm. Money comes in, money goes out and I'm supporting my family. Right. I may not give them a check, <laughs> but I'm giving them food. I'm giving, you know, whatever it is. Right. And so what I always say is the problem with calling church a business is every business, the bottom line is money. Right. But in family, the bottom line is people. And so you can run your church like a family and you're going to have a tremendous amount of success because it's not about whether you have a lot of money coming in. And that kind of goes back to CrossFit. Yeah. They don't run it like a business. They run it like a family. They run it like a family. It's if somebody's in need, we don't ask. We just go and help. If right. somebody it's if we want to support, support whatever it is, it's just there. And it's I don't know. I'd pay whatever it costs to be there, you know, and that's where I think we're missing it because we are, it is a family. Yeah. It is organically, families happen organically, right? Right. It's literally, literally. It is. <laughs> yeah. it, so if we allow church to happen that way mm-hmm. and allow the family to happen that way in the church, the relationships, 
greater things will happen through it. But that's my focus now, knowing where I'm at now in churches. Regardless of what happens on stage, right? I'm there to build relationships with people there because I'm I God met me here in this building. Mm-hmm. Whatever name it is now, God never told me to leave. And I am the most happiest being in that building right. because God, I know he's there. And so whatever happens on stage, it happens. But God is speaking to me every day there in at home and churches at home, churches, wherever you're at. And right. you got to, that's how you live life. It's like, God will meet you wherever you are. Mm-hmm. That's what you should be like. When I go to sales call, God's there. If that person don't want to talk about solutions, he wants to talk about his family. I'm here to listen to you. If I'm at the grocery store, I'm here to listen to you. If I'm at home, I'm here to listen to you. And that's how I really lost focus. But now that I'm gaining that focus back and really in tune to what God has to say, regardless of how much money I make or whatever happens the rest of my life, I'm the joy is there. And I and it's just renewing my mind every day. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah. Cole, we've got like 15 minutes left. Okay. And I want to... I've just been sitting here thinking about this and I, and I want to, I want to just give this opportunity to you. Um, you know, obviously your dad meant the world to you Mm -hmm. and, um, I just want to take this time and let's pay a little tribute to him. Okay. I want you to tell him, I don't know your dad. Okay. I want you to tell me about your dad. (laughs) My dad was, uh, I mean, he was Superman to me when I was little um, there's a story I always tell about him and, and my brother and this will help Stephanie a little bit too my brother and me didn't get along he was five years older than me I wanted to be in his world he didn't want to be in mine and that's normal because age difference Yeah, he wanted me in his world when he needed me in his world but if he didn't need me then I was this punk little brother that I was bothering him and pestering him and just get out of here and he was really mean he could be mean but I always knew he loved me one day, him and his buddies were just being mean to me, really mean. They wouldn't let me play hide and go seek with them up front and just told me to get away. And I, I kind of, and I couldn't ever tell dad. I didn't tell on my brother. I did. I wouldn't tell on him. It, I just walked past the living room and I had my head down and he kind of knew something was up. So he came to the, he came to knock and my dad wasn't like that. He wasn't, he kind of, he just wouldn't ask. He came and knocked on my door and he just said, He just, he just asked me what was going on. And I said, y'all, they just, they just won't let me hang out with them tonight. And, and he was like, you know what? Go around the side of my truck and stand there, and I'll, I'll be about there in a minute. And I said, why, Dad? What's going on? He just, he just go on, go over there and, and, and stand by the end of that truck. And, I, and So my brother and about eight of his friends are sitting in the middle of our yard and just sitting there. And the next thing I see my dad on the top of our house on this roof and he got, and it was just a single story home. It wasn't like he jumped 12 feet, but he comes running down the roof at my brother and his friends yelling and screaming and just jumped in the air like Superman oh my and landed in the middle of them. I'm not kidding. And, and these kids just scattered and they, they were like, Oh my God. Well, you know, just, he just startled him and scared him. And, and he walked over to me and said, son, I always got your back. Mm. <laughs> and, you, and you don't understand life lesson you don't understand I was I was selfish kid growing up and 
always wanted it my way. Didn't really want to hang with my family. Did, you know, always wanted to be with my friends. You know, always wanted it my way. Normal teenager stuff. Um, didn't understand why dad, you know, you know, didn't understand, you know, I always thought he was mean or just grumpy or whatever, but dad worked two jobs. He worked as a fireman and then he had his own construction company. And, and, you know, and always took me to work with him, you know, if he needed help and, and, and always, always took care of me, you know, but it was like, he fired me a lot too. I mean, it was like, cause I didn't live up to his expectations or whatever else. Um, but he taught me how to work hard. He taught me how to, um, to love your family, you know, stick it out. You know, it don't care how times get hard, you stick it out, you know, and, and just to always keep moving forward. And, um, when I was, I have another memory when I was a kid, I was a pitcher and, um, he coached our baseball team one year when I was in fifth grade and, and, and just, we were, we were, we were winning by one run and the bases were loaded. And I came in and I struck out the side and he ran out to, he ran, he ran out to me, grabbed me and said, oh, I'm so proud of you. And so he, he, that didn't happen all the time, but I, you know, even though I made my dad mad or whatever, I knew he was always there for me and I knew he, he loved his family and, and it didn't get to when I was older and I started really figuring these things out that that grumpy old man, I made grumpy a lot because I had my attitude, <laughs> um, didn't make his life easier. Um, but always had my back and, you know, and, and through times when I, I got married when I was 19 and he had my back and, um, didn't agree with me, you know, but still backed me on it. I always had my back and he gave me his opinion. Don't get me wrong. He didn't sit back. This man was six, four and he was a mountain of a man, you know, all state football player at, you know, in the state of Texas and that <laughs> that's pro player yeah, yeah, anywhere he, else. Yeah. He, if he would have had, he, if he would have had the right leadership from his father, he would have been a pro football player. That mm. man had it, you know, um, led, led Fort Worth in rushing. I mean, he's got newspaper articles that he never showed us. He, we would have mom showed us stuff like that. And, and just, uh, and so living up to dad, living up to his, you know, that platform that he set for us kids. It's just, that's what has got me where I am today. It's, it's, it's knowing that true family sticking together. Um, knowing that he would do anything for our friends. We had a friend of ours that was early eighties, had a blood transfusion had HIV and through a blood transfusion. And my dad and him were, were great friends and stuck by him. He was never afraid of, that trans whatever he would be there for him and his wife he would go help them and just do things for them and it just in a time where people were scared and would back off he ran into the fire like he had mm-hmm. as a fireman and i i wish growing up i you know i would have just spent more time with him would have got to know him better um instead of the old later years and um and so knowing my father knowing what he stood for loving my mom um loving my brother and sister the way he did i just you know it was organic it was organic you know i mean he just he did it and and he didn't it wasn't he wasn't father's knows best it wasn't like that but 
he did his best and he gave us his best and that's all you could, I could ask for from my dad and I you know I, I griped about him and then every year that I miss him and lose in the last two years I you know if I could get those moments back and just knowing it, just going back to those times and spending more time with him um, diving into him more just being there for him more and we got to we got to run a business together for t- about a year and a half, two years. I, I tried to do a storm shelter deal down there and, and me and him partnered together on it. And it did, you know, we didn't, uh, it did, didn't lose money, didn't make money, but the, the time I got to spend with him in those two years and he, he, he told me how proud he was through those time. And, and just all that, just, it, it meant, that meant a lot to me. Um, I'm kind of jumping around with all the stories, but it's just, well, that's the thing, man. That's what I, you know, th- these are the moments that we get an opportunity to really to share something with the world. Right. You know, a lot of times I used to ask people this all the time. There's one thing you could tell others about. I didn't give you that option because I wanted you to tell the world about your dad. Right. And you know, it's got from losing my father to really spending time with my mom more. I call, try to call her every day and talk to her and see how she's doing. And, um, you know, she's one of the smartest women in, and the most loving and caring women I've ever known and, and, and smart just to call her and get her, her advice or talk to her about my kids or and how do I deal with this? What do you think about this? And I cherish that this, you know, just cause I'm 50 years old, she's got more wisdom than I do. And so I cherish those moments. It, I'm humbled to those moments because, you know, yeah, I'm 50, but it, it doesn't matter because I, I respect and love her. And I, and I, and I need her, you know, you'll always need your mom and she needs me. She's my dad's gone. Her best friend's gone. And me and my brother always try to call her, you know, and try to take turns and, and just, uh, because losing her will be hard as well. And, and I want to cherish every moment that I have with her left, but my dad was a mountain of a man. He was a good man. The, the last week the week before he passed away I we had a discussion I was driving to I was working for Cox Automotive and for some reason I asked him I said dad I know you know God and I know your mom took it you know and everything else but you're saved right and he goes yeah I'm saved and I said okay we left it at that you know I because I just wanted to make sure I don't know why I asked it that week I don't know why I know now why because I didn't know when I was going to lose him and then the, two weeks later he was gone or a week later he was gone and I regret that too because he was in the hospital for a week I relate that back to the fire department I knew he was going to come home I knew I'd see him in a week or two and I took that for granted and so it you know I know I could see my dad again I know he's in heaven he's waiting on me and I know I know I'm going to be there and and so knowing that gives me peace but it I miss him every day. There was a yeah. week ago I wanted to get, I, for some reason I had a thought come across, I need to call my dad. And then it's like, it was, you know, it was like, oh, you know, it's those moments that you just, you know, and you just, if I could say anything to anybody, whatever your father's going through, whatever's going on in their lives, if you don't let that time go without getting in touch with them, telling them how much you love them, or if they need you at this moment in their life, call them it didn't matter how bad they were to you or or you think you'll regret not making that phone call 
you'll regret not telling your dad how much you loved him or or if you need to get something off your chest do it but if you do that god will intervene he'll make it a love moment and he'll he'll fix those moments for you and um so that's if, if for anybody out there that's words of wisdom for me so that is good man cole <laughs> know this your dad raised a good man well I appreciate that. And I appreciate you being on the show and sharing your heart and being vulnerable, man. And I appreciate you guys all for listening, tuning in to another conversations. Uh, You never know what we're going to get. Maybe next week we're going to talk to a tennis pro, but uh, I don't know that that's true. I'm just, (laughs) maybe we can get one. So if you're a tennis pro out there, hit me up in DMs, all right? (laughs) Hey, God bless you guys. Thanks for joining us. You want to find more podcasts like these, head over to streamgrace.com and check out some of the latest and greatest from shows like Better Together with Lori and Stephanie pivot points with Kristen Quillen and inside the man box with Rick Fry. These are all good ones. God bless you guys. Be safe. Bye.